Welcome to the Turquoise Coconut Podcast. In episode 10, we are talking to composer and guitarist Giovanni Cacciopo. Giovanni, thanks for joining us for the show. My pleasure. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. It's been it's been a long time. Why don't we start with how you got into music? All right. That's a that's a funny question because I really like to think I always wanted to to play music and I have two very important moments I will never forget in my life. Uh, my dad had this uh, tape cassette I'm talking about. I'm 38 now, and I'm talking about 19, 1990. I was 10 or 9, so 1989, say. So tape cassette was the thing. Almost yeah. going into CDs. Anyway, he just he will like record. He will he will from one support to another, from an LP to a tape. That was the the, the passage. And I had this uh, tape A, side A, uh, with Django Reinhardt recorded from radio in the 40s. So this live recordings from radio, from podcasting, basically. And the B side was a modern jazz quartet collection. And I will remember, I will remember any note i could sing any detail of that tape of those songs and i will play with that so that was my soundtrack for three four five years only that i just i was happy and i i never thought of playing at that age i mean i had played violin when i was six but i it wasn't my thing and by by the time i was 10 11 like as i i decided not to continue so that was like my first musical experience technically speaking but the actual so i don't remember that as an important thing but i definitely remember this cassette as a very important and the other one this is an amazing cliche i'm so proud of of showing off i learned some music to the uh, being at the barbershop in sicily you know in a small village a small town in the middle of sicily where nothing is happening i had this friend of mine so his dad we had a barbershop and we will gather there and dad had in the back shop, he had like three mandolins, two guitars, all of them so difficult to play, like hard, you know, all old and cheap instruments, but they will play and they will play music. Like they will be, they will be discussing, you know, old, old, old people say, oh, this friend of mine from New York, who was a Sicilian immigrated maybe 40 years before uh, when he came back in the 70s he taught me how to use the barret on guitar because they didn't know the existence of that so i have this memory of music development and how you can you can be born in a, in a time where naturally you know things and each decade possibly adds up mm. up to the destruction of everything who knows that so this is it basically yeah so you you picked up 
started playing fretted instruments around that time then yeah when you were when you were having this idyllic experience well, in I, the barbershop I have, yeah well actually that was the, the funny side and that was more looking and trying to hold the instruments and play but i had no knowledge no no intentions really uh suddenly though one sunday morning when i was maybe 13 i was sunday morning i woke up because there was like babe i'm gonna leave you by led zeppelin uh who which my sister and dad were in the living room listening to to this lp and you know i went there on my pajama they were keep talking so i went straight into the, the speaker like oh, oh my god what's this sound and i stayed in front of the speaker till the end of the song then they they were you know keep doing their own conversation they went somewhere else and i stayed the whole morning there searching throughout my dad's lps where i found all this like 70s music from different angles from like psychedelic music uh to to classic let's say mainstream from Led zeppelin Deep purple all of that and then a lot of classical music there mostly like Mozart, the usual good stuff, plus some some bits of modern music, uh, which modern, and uh, comparison to to Mozart, maybe maybe Mahler, you know. Mm-hmm. And from from there, my interest in music like like blew up basically. I never stopped from there, and I start playing the guitar because my dad was he still plays it's a little bit. It was guitar and piano and violin was always around, so. And, and was always outside the case. So I was there looking at me. And one day I picked that up and I asked my dad to teach me some chords. And since I started like for years by myself, uh, being very curious, interested in, in how those fingers could move. And, you know, I, I realized a few years after, I say, as long as you move things, you can call it music. Like it happens, the music happens, but you have to move things. And then later on, I realized that was about counterpoint and, and those lines moving together rather than chords, blocks, you know, mostly lyrical way, mm-hmm. natural way. So well, it took a few years to realize that. Later on, I went to, to study some music uh, up to the time where we met. And I remember saying, oh, if I discover things, even like, kind of brainy things, but it would, it would have taken one day if someone else would experience, let's say a teacher would have told me that rather than 10 years. So the development and the, the way you understand things, it's been, in, in this sense, it's been so slow. But on the other side, it was always like with such pleasure because it was important, you know, even... I don't know if it makes sense to go into the technical, like the usual triads, you know, those gems of, of wisdom you keep asking and they, they tell you always different things. Mm-hmm. So this is amazing. And before I knew you could combine them, like I could feel there was something, you know, it can be, can be very simple, but can be very deep in your, in your way of loving music because of that approach. And I, I feel fortunate in that. Like, I really love music. I, I believe in music in that sense. I kind of respect in that sense. I like your philosophy. And this has been the only, the only the way. Like, I'm, I'm always trying to be natural in, on, on that. Can you tell us 
a little bit, if you're happy to, about your pre-London time. I believe you were doing research in something totally unrelated to music. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah sort of. Uh, I realized after there was always a relationship, yeah. but definitely wasn't related at the time. So I always been in love with the history of art. Um, maybe comes from this uncle of mine who lives in Milan and still does. Uh, he has, he runs an antique shops and it's, I always been kind of surrounded by things from the past, even small objects. So I kind of, I was curious to understand why they will do something strange looking or why, what, what was the, their mindset? Why they will do this. And since I've been, I've been always amazed by, you know, those amazing books where they collect a thousand years of throughout images. And then you can see just visually what's happening. And from there, I got caught in Palermo by this amazing golden mosaics. So I went to study history of art. Um, I became obsessed with history of art, with an antique art, uh, Byzantine empire, and all of that. Like I wanted to go to live in, in Istanbul to study some other stuff. But then I ended up living in Rome, studying basically my books were all those churches. And I ended up working at the Vatican Museum. Uh, was kind of the end of my, I, I did a PhD in medieval art history. And, and I kind of specialize in restoration of those artifacts. And therefore I had to, to deal with museums and archives and, and kind of research from a theoretical side to explain people who will put hands on, on objects, how not to do the same mistake they would have done maybe a hundred years before, yeah. like uh, using saliva rather than, than urine. Yeah, I'm talking about wow. like real, real That's things thing. actually. <laughs> so but apart from that, like was mostly an amazing experience to be there in the Vatican because it's the Vatican and because you have this secrecy around and, and art can be the less serious thing within this solid empire. So it was a really good experience. So good that I decided to really go away from that. Not because I, I fulfilled my, my thirst of knowledge, but because the system and, you know, this is another Italian speaking about Italy. I'm not saying it's negative, but it's a dynamic I, I don't agree with. And so I don't support, I don't want to see myself following a different dynamic than, than the one I, I believe will be best for me. And this is why I decided to, to move to a place which gave me, since the first time I went as a tourist, which is London, I really, I smell great. So when something smells good, it doesn't have to be pleasant. It has to be full of things. Yeah. And smells are, are really are like people's thoughts in, in the air, you know. So you can really make a comparison with that and, and, and feel it if you, if you like to, to feel that way. And so I moved to London. I moved to London with the idea of actually carrying on my my history of art studies. So I I went to Sotheby's. I wanted to to become an auction dealer because I really liked this knowledge I had, plus this uncle's style, like antiques dealers. So I kind of I wanted to know more about how to evaluate things. 
mm-hmm. in economical sense. And there was a, an interesting barrier that happened. Like my level of English was in, was anyway would have been so low. Like that was the PhD I could have get only if my my English would have been like an average English person and a little bit more in terms of acad- academic knowledge of of the language so i spent two uh, two years trying to study to upgrade and in, and improve my my language but in those two years the music prevailed uh, along with you know being student of, of english finally i could really get the other half of the day to only study music and and from there really this passion took in and i'm very happy of this outcome actually can you talk a little bit about your approach to writing music you have a really unique voice i would say and i know from experience of spending time with you playing your music that i think it's fascinating and you've always got something interesting to say about it so can you talk a little bit about that yeah thank you for that by the way uh i will always remember uh we've played some some mu- some some music of mine together and and in in your score, I remember once you wrote, you penciled like this note, say believe it or <laughs> believe in it, yeah. because there were a few wrong notes, but I I just thought they were the right ones, even though uh, theoretically they clash mm-hmm. in an, in a way that, but actually the the interpretation you gave and and the idea of believing it. Is is maybe my my naive way of playing that that can make sense afterwards if you believe in it. Like I always been trying to use this word honest, maybe because I could argument this in a different way, but honest in the in the simplest possible way, which is of believing in in, in those notes and really. And I don't know who say that, but I've heard many times. But I, I agree with you should write music only if, if there is a story in it, even if it's the most uh, unexpected story. So it's not about style, it's about telling a story. Maybe it's obvious, but it's not as obvious when you put yourself in front, in front of those notes and say, okay, why and how and what direction. So you start using those big, big question marks and you end up maybe with two notes. But maybe you can end up with a lot of notes if the notes wanted to be there. You know, I don't want to be mystic or, or, or a philosopher, but like sometimes you do it because you have this urge of, or you maybe, I sometimes I wrote some stuff because I was scared of losing it. Like if you have your keys and you have spare keys, I used to, I used to have when I was teenagers, like 10, 15 keys in my pocket, all single ones. And I never lost one. You know, I didn't have any any chain, and I always thought like, okay, if they have to come out, I will come out with the right keys out from 10, 15 keys. So you get to go go with the flow, but I always had the, the 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 fear of losing some stuff. So with music, it's been a little bit like that. Say, okay, I like this, and the week after it comes back again. The third time comes back again. I'm lazy that third week. Maybe I don't want to even record that. Just writing is, is the easiest way. 
And then uh, up to a point that I can see this music wants to be recorded in some way. And this is part of the music I, I suggested you as a musician as well. And the other side that's been, maybe I really can consider myself this naive, serious lover of music that, that tries to use different approaches to, it's more like a, not personal, but like, how do you say that thing? And even though it's clear in your mind, then it's the, the output that has to be solid. And this is not about only lack of the process you need to have to, to then be very clear in, in, in one second, but it's more about matching your ideas and trying to stay in that line. So, and really all of this comes because you give them very serious importance to something. So do you write strange bars? only because they have to be there or because randomly they can come out. I, I will never forget this experience I had at Guildhall School with, with Scott Stroman, where everything is obvious. It's like triads, but it's never so obvious. Like when you realize really that music is about singing and, and mostly in technically speaking, following that idea develops and unfolds the music itself, the, the written music unfolds in a, in a, in an unexpected way, unless you have that experience throughout the concept and the actual practical realization of that, you will never end up writing super simple things that will sound exactly like the most difficult thing you wanted to, to express. So even though it seems contradictory, actually is what it is. Whilst you were in London with uh, your ensemble, Music of Our Kind, you had two really interesting vocalists yeah. with whom you you performed and wrote music. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, uh, I had this fortunate encounter with Hymanot, who is a Hyman Tespa, who is a, a splendid person, really a splendid woman, who randomly I met in a in a in a very informal friendly gathering of people from very many different cultures who were invited separately in this living room to just play together. And, you know, those meetings randomly happen maybe where you have 20 people, where all those people will be musicians, or of, a musician anyway of some kind of, and they will contribute with their part. And so this evening ended up Everyone left. This evening became like early morning. And I was left with Hymanot by randomly. And then we we kept playing and we played this she she has this huge D minor D minor culture basically. Like if you can translate in, in notes, is she has a very great D minor sound. 
and of any 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 kind of variation of D minor, but has this in those cultures where sad for us means noble and important, and it becomes like the positive and the and the bright side of that. So apart from the, that shift of of meaning in in music, we started like which she understood that I I could support her in a way she will feel natural. And yeah. from there we started this collaboration where I wanted to try to explore her culture. So her Ethiopian, which I didn't say before, Ethiopian singing, uh, very much kind of hymn related, like religious, but still with the, with African, with that kind of openness that African music has, with the, even if it is filtered throughout, uh, a specific culture which comes from religion or their culture, basically. And I wanted to frame, because she she doesn't uh, relate to music throughout the sense of, of even the pulse we, we believe is there. For her, it's a different kind of pulse. Uh, and I'm not talking only about the classic African, you know, three over two or those syncopated feeling rhythms. But just in general, the conception of where is the center, not even the one, but the center is somewhere else. And that, if you can, rather than frame, if you can, because you can still find a new pattern within within that sense, different sense of center. So easy to predict if you research and if you spend time. I did some transcription, like I recorded her, and I did some transcriptions, which ended up being the silliest looking scores because they were super simple exactly that simplicity that amazes you when when you hear if you hear what you are reading written down you can't believe that complicated uh, things you're listening is so simple on the paper and and this is why the human voice has always attracted me like does you know that sound in terms of it as instrument rather than as a voice of human language expression it's more about the sound itself of the voice and violin definitely is the the closest absolutely but that way of having you know you can have one note and, and have that huge sound as a guitarist it's always been a big deal you know a big deal really like in in all those trombone players, all the trumpet players with just one note, having so much to say, something that on guitar had to be translated differently. And nowadays, finally, we are catching up sound-wise, <laughs> so we can afford to say one note to say what you actually wanted to say. Yeah. And so the voice has been always the 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 closest to that beautiful sound I, mm. I wanted to to feel. Yeah. And so from there we moved to studying some some of the Ethiopian culture with the limit, which is using Western instruments. So within within the the actual possible limits of of instruments and and use of music theory apl applicated to to their culture, we ended up trying to frame her freestyle in a kind of predictable predictable way. Therefore, I can I can write like specific music, uh, solid music to read, easy to to follow, to give to other musicians, whilst she will be still floating free. This fro floating free, obviously, the modal approach is the 
the, the closest to, to what they do. But we ended up trying not to use the, the model approach only, uh, mostly for her singing was a different approach, which was, I don't know, maybe this is my background and if it feels like a romantic kind of writing in some way, and technically speaking, like the tools you use to, to make music rather than AG or contemporary. Mm-hmm. But this is possibly, rather than a limit, can be just your way of trying to say that, try to communicate that. And the result, I believe, was real for, like, the meaning was there. The meaning of what I thought could have been. Like, why do we do this? Only to do this fusion-y mix? Or because you actually love the sound of someone specific that happens to be Ethiopian, and therefore you take from from the culture of, of this person you want to play with because you want to always know and i'll never forget to understand where people where friends where musicians you play with are from because that's the best you can you can be really and if you're talking about putting music together and making something that has a sense for for the people involved at least uh, then you, you you shouldn't forget where you come from that's the tool really that makes you and the outcome was i found uh, a musician like 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 you as a violinist, uh, with a similar, I, I believe, apart from the, the human side that we discovered, we can really get along together. To stick to the to the music, like I, I believe we listen 75 up to 100, out of 100 albums we had in common. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes makes you understand quickly and makes you feel you the direction you want to go without really saying that. And maybe that's why you would like to believe on that wrong note on the paper and write it down. And so that was really a fortunate encounter, the one I had with you. And the other musicians who followed, I kind of, they, they weren't just people who would be uh, called for to do the job because maybe it was my lack of experience in leading a band or you actually don't believe you you would like to play this music for for a life you you don't you don't consider that as a project to actually use to to make music it's more like a research even though it's a, in the most noble way you want to pursue that and so the meeting of of Daniel Israelson the, as a drummer was another of those fortunate encounter because i always wanted to to find a drummer who has the touch and the feeling of a percussionist playing still the drum technique and drum language. And I, I thought he would have expressed that kind of sound connection. And the end of, if I can say one more thing about, about this connection with musicians to create this music, I think the most important thing I, I felt maybe I could have been, I could know more rather than could have been better at. I could have known more was the, kind of the sound, the generic dynamic this music should have should have gone for. And maybe this is the mix and and the I always been amazed by by that so called classical music but in, in the dynamic sense. All the, the subtlety of, of the dynamic. It like blows your blows your mind, really. Just listening to dynamic, not even the notes, just the way this thing 
is delivered dynamic wise and of course you need to have a specific set of of instruments and tool apart from knowledge to express those dynamics but I always thought if you can retain like 5% of all the the amount of effort listening you have in your in your studies in your thirst for knowledge then that could express and balance enough the meaning you are trying to to extrapolate from from this information you want to access and I believe this dynamic sense has more this uh, european side this more sensible and where groove is not the only amazing way to express music and in some way this uh Mook ensemble in this first album we we had was based on that mostly on trying not to have grooves on, on purpose like no grooves not because they are not worth but because i wanted to try to approach that research from the other side with all the with all the obstacles and all the wrong notes you can find in i believe is 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 something you can listen to maybe once twice and even twice you know and not every day but something is kind of personal but still i can feel like the space of each individual who participated to to this recording and to this development is there like there is a, a lot of personality and this is i think the the actual social power of the music even though we're not playing grooves or not playing physically and mentally accessible in terms of being quick playing that music it's a beautiful album in my opinion i know i'm on it so i'm a, i'm possibly a little biased but i heard the music before i got involved with it that's um music of our kind volume one yeah which uh, also featured pete hutchison on bass yes the others you've just mentioned which i think we released in 2016 exactly that's available to download and stream and there is a another album which is in in the pipeline at the moment yeah so maybe we'll have to um we'll have to have another podcast to talk about the music in that one what else you've been working on and what you've got coming up yeah, I'm, the moment I'm working on on this project based on, I'm trying to to limit myself again to a specific element. In this case, is uh, the duration of of music. So I'm trying to set these compositions mostly are original compositions, and uh, an amount of of the music we are working on is mostly 14th century, 15th century uh, fr- French music by some composers who were the avant-garde of the time. So end of 15th century mostly. So they were very contemporary into our years still. That music unfolds in a very unexpected way. So I'm working with this Iranian singer. It's another aspect of that culture again. And randomly, as the, as the Ethiopian one, the Iranian people, the classical Iranian music has just has flipped down the meaning we give to music. Like what for us is serious music, for them is happy it's just the, the the completely opposite direction. That's why the actual Iranian music, the serious in brackets music, sounds still very sad, very like a lament, but it's not. And I've discovered this throughout this these people, and and therefore your mind still starts from you know you can't use your knowledge. You need to find a, a different approach to use your knowledge anyway. So I'm very excited to do that, and I believe is following this 
approach to music I'm, I've always wanted to to go for. That sounds brilliant. An Italian and an Iranian in the 21st century working together on the music of 500 and 600 years ago in France. That sounds uh, really exciting. Are you playing guitar for that? I'm playing guitar, both uh, classical guitar and electric guitar. So there, there is some sound modification happening uh, in the guitar and also on on the singing side. So there is some kind of looping and a lot of different kind of reverbs combined. I think it'll be a very straight album in terms of sound, though. Very dry, even though I mentioned reverbs. So yeah. it will be very essential in its in its being, okay. I hope. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that when it's further down the line. All right. It's been great to talk to you, and uh, we'll do this again. So go online, find uh, Music of Our Kind, Volume 1, and try and catch Giovanni, who's currently based in Milan. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for talking. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Turquoise Coconut is a UK-based independent record label. For information about releases, videos, collaborations and more, head to turquoisecoconut.com or find us on Facebook. Turquoise Coconut. New music for curious ears.